It is the start on demand, the very best of the start. Greg Mackling on behalf of Loren McNabb and a vacationing Brett McGarry. Brett returns on Thursday. On Tuesday, we had some crazy weather, which meant some not very excellent road conditions for our commute on Wednesday morning. In fact, the perimeter highway was closed. Parts of the Trans-Canada Highway were closed. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about your concerns about that and talk about why people are ignoring Manitoba 511 and the province when they say this road is closed. We'll talk about the Grey Cup is coming back to Winnipeg. Yes, the Blue Bombers have brought it here twice as champions, but Winnipeg is going to host the Grey Cup game, Grey Cup 112 in 2025. We'll talk about animals and why it's so critical to get your animals spayed and neutered. And we'll talk Winnipeg Jets. That and much else on today's Start Podcast. Let's get right down to business. It is the start. Greg Mackling, Loren McNabb with you. Brett McGarry returns tomorrow. Loren, you know, I wouldn't normally necessarily publicize this fact, but you are working from home today with very good reason. I don't mind publicizing that. I mean, this is why what we've learned over COVID, right? It might be the gift for some people, depending on where you work and how you work. And they were able to set us up at home with the technology. And so when I woke up this morning at 3.30 and saw that the Highway 1 at the time was closed, both east and west of Winnipeg, and that the perimeter was closed, I thought, you know what? I'm not going to risk it. The road, my road's in, 75, 59, were ice covered, but open. But I just thought, you know what? I don't need to push this at this hour of the day. I don't know what the winds are like out there in the middle of the night. And so I chose not to come in. And, you know, as it stands at this moment, just a few minutes ago, highways updating the conditions of, of the roads out there. The perimeter in all directions is still closed and Highway 1 West from Winnipeg to Eli is still closed. So obviously we're still going to have some icy conditions out there. The winds for sure have died down. But no, I just... I didn't have to. I didn't have to force it. And you and I agreed in the early hours, the wee hours of the morning. Why risk it? It was an odd day yesterday because we had that brilliant sunshine. It was actually the temperature was quite warm. And so obviously on the pavement, that sun was was melting snow in places. But then the wind was coming along and creating genuine sheets of ice. I was out on the highways north of the city uh, last night, and it was bizarre in the open areas to see how these literal skating rinks had developed throughout the afternoon and into the evening. And so uh, that's the situation on the perimeter right now. They're saying icy icy conditions persist. But I do want to point out, Loren, we did get the update email from Manitoba Highway saying that the perimeter remains completely closed, that Highway 1 West is closed to Eli. But on my desktop, and I've refreshed it six times now since I pointed this out to you, you're seeing something different than I am. On my desktop, I'm seeing that Highway 1 is still closed to Haddishville, uh, that being from the from the perimeter east to Haddishville. And you're seeing something completely different on your device. Yeah, so mine just shows that west closure that we referenced from Winnipeg to Eli. And, you know, there's something bizarre going on. I was wondering if we just have our settings different or or or... or it's operator error on both our parts, but normally when I open up 511, it just shows red lines where, where there are closures. And I'm not seeing any red lines 
at all. But if I then hit the little icon that kind of filters out everything else but closures, it then shows me uh, a, a tiny little line that I can hit to read more. So it's just not working the way it did. It, it's quite frankly, it's not working the way it did at 345 this morning. So mm-hmm. it's just a bit confusing. So if you're hearing, right. just tuning in right now, the message is the perimeter is closed and Highway 1 West from Winnipeg to Eli. And again, you might be thinking, oh, well, it's not blowing that hard because that was part of the problem yesterday. Well, it doesn't matter. It's so icy, as you mentioned. Greg, it was actually the perfect conditions for that. Just the right amount of sun on the mm-hmm. road to heat things up. That Just the right amount of snow for those east-west routes because the wind was coming from the south and everything just stuck and froze. And all the way down 200 yesterday, it was ice all the way down 59 there were patches of ice and so you're just going to have to be careful it's 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 the ice that's the problem this morning obviously we will be uh calling on you to let us know exactly what you are dealing with <laughs> re-saying just cross the perimeter at saint mary's road uh, regular traffic on the perimeter both ways so uh once again another uh maybe a, a failure a hole a gap if you like in the in the system that uh, we have uh, traffic uh, as sort of as scheduled on the perimeter this morning, even though that uh, road is uh, officially closed. Not closed. Well, where are their gates, though? Here's a quick question. There are where not. are their gates? That's what I'm saying. So yeah. only where are they? I know there are gates at one west, yeah. Yeah. and there's gates that, that you can often put on south, Highway 75 south. I've seen those sure. in operations, and I, I think that's it. Maybe out in Brandon. I think out in Brandon they have a set of gates. Yes, you're right. Portage La Prairie, I think they have some gates, but they're few and far between. And as we discussed last winter, very few signs, if any. And it's interesting uh, because of my trip across the United States, uh, 8,000 plus kilometers, most of it in the United States, uh, there are signs everywhere, even very far south where they have static signs with flashing amber lights and it, and they're gigantic signs that say Interstate 80 is closed when these lights are flashing. The next exit, blah, 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 is ahead. Uh, please get off. When lights are flashing, please get off at your early possible convenience, that sort of thing. And they're all over the interstate system, even in parts of the United States where you imagine they might not even need that sort of system. Yeah, so I think that that is something that we have to keep pushing for. We have the technology, we have the ability, and we don't have the signs. Did you see the signs you wanted to see last night in your Winnipeg Jets, Greg? I did. We want to talk about homecomings this morning, tonight. I almost said Winnipeg Arena, Cam Poitras, because <laughs> when it comes to wrestling, it feels like a very Winnipeg Arena it type does. thing. It does. <laughs> EW e- yeah. coming to town for the very first time. They're only their second show ever in Canada. But this new wrestling uh, product features quite prominently two Winnipeggers, Chris mm-hmm. Jericho and Kenny Omega, 2021's World Wrestling Star of the Year, Kenny Omega. And so these two are making a homecoming tonight, Loren, and we want to celebrate that a little bit in our conversation this morning. So we're asking you out there, 780-6868, to have a homecoming that you had that you were celebrating, or perhaps a reunion that was a long time coming that felt good, and we're going to go around the wheel now. And uh, let's start with you, Skylar. Oh, Skyler's, oh, Sky- Skyler's oh, actually out of the, out of the well, room. Well, see, he's, that's information that I could have used he's taking, 17 seconds ago. He's, he's, he's taking his uh, other job very seriously in uh, compiling those cancellations for us. Sorry, well, Loren. That's I all right. I heard I should have done my best Skyler impression. You should have. I don't know if I could away. do one. I don't think it's possible. 
I, he's, he's like, I just don't think he's got like, it's not like a person that you can intimidate, Im- imitate. Is he? All right. No, you're right. Not, you maybe. We could try for you later. We should reverse it. We'll get Skylar well, to We'll see what Greg can do. I'll let Greg take too. that. I'll let Greg Cam- take that. Cameron, do you have a reunion or homecoming that stands out for you? Well, yeah. I mean, the, the big one was me coming home after, you know, like when, when you're living away and, um, you know, and I, I worked in a, some small towns all over the place and stuff like that. And I, I spent seven years uh, away from Winnipeg um, when, in my younger years. And when 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 you're living away, I went on like one vacation for myself. I went to Nashville with 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 my brother and my best friend, and we went and saw um, uh, the Predators and, and the Jets down down in Nashville. But other than that, all the rest of my time and all the rest of my you know my money and vacation time was was based on coming back home because that's all I that those are the people I wanted to see, those people I wanted to spend time with. And so when I eventually ended up uh, back in Winnipeg uh, back in 2017. It was, you know, it, it's like my whole entire world changed, not just because I was back where I wanted to be, uh, but because, you know, avenues started to open up as, as well. So um, I missed home and I always wanted to come back. And no, it's good to be it's good to be back. It's been I've been oh, home now longer almost uh, than when as long as I went as long as I was gone for. So that's well, good. Yeah, that's interesting. McNabb, I know uh, you've you've lived away several times and and uh, very far away at least once. Yeah. And you know, there's a lot of things that stand out because there's also times where I went on trips, you know, uh, to cover hurricane damage or earthquake damage or cyclone damage. And so, you know, Haiti and Sri Lanka and Pakistan, you'd come home and you'd be so grateful to be home. And so those are always some moments that I think of. I remember one time even coming home and like sitting on the ground at the Canadian airport being, I was so grateful to be back in my country after all I had seen. But the one that just stands out for me is that, you know, I got married while living in Israel and then we did a long distance relationship and he was back in Brandon and I was in Israel and we'd try to see each other, you know, maybe every eight weeks. And then of course uh, we got pregnant with our first and I eventually moved back to Toronto, but I still wasn't home yet because my job was in Toronto. And so I, I finished out my work before maternity leave in Toronto. And so when when he finally came to Toronto to pick me up and drive me back home, I knew I was finally going home, if that makes sense. And I get teary thinking about it because it was such a long time coming to be together and, you know, start our home at last. So just even we drove to the States and crossing into Manitoba and I was like, we did it. And then a couple of weeks later, we had our baby. So that's what I think of when I think of homecoming. Oh, you get me all emotional. You get me all teary too. She was. What about you, Forte? Uh, for me, it would probably be when I was doing my internship out in Flin Flon, Manitoba. I was out there for just over a month and uh, get home and like being out there, I was bored. I had nothing to do. I didn't have cable, didn't have internet, spent my 21st birthday out there. So, you know, getting lonely was nice to get home. But uh, when I got home, my parents weren't home. They were at the wake. <laughs> so the first people I saw was uh, I call up my buddies. <laughs> uh, who I was playing in a band with, and uh, we got together, had some brewskis, and we just jammed out for hours. Great homecoming. Oh, that, ah. that is fantastic. Well, uh, uh, Forche, uh, I don't think I can top you on the moving home and your parents not being there to greet you, but I did come home. I was living in Calgary, came home for Christmas in 1991, and uh, my entire family left for Mexico for Christmas the next day. Hi, Greg. Welcome Greg, home. Not what, even you know invited. Where? No, wasn't even invited. All my brothers, my sister, my mom, and my stepdad went to Mexico for Christmas, and I was stuck in Winnipeg.
Mackling and McNabb with you. McGarry returns tomorrow. Tonight is a big night at Canada Life Center. AEW Wrestling. They're, they're, they're filming. I think they're doing one live show and then they're taping another tonight. Brett's going to be at the show. He'll have a review for us tonight. But that's at the heart of our contest question today. Your favorite homecomings. That in honor of Kenny Omega and Chris Jericho coming back to Winnipeg. I would argue triumphantly, Loren, uh, in in what is uh, the, the big rivalry now to the world, uh, what, what do they call it? Uh, WWE, World Wrestling uh, Entertainment or whatever they call it. I don't watch wrestling anymore. I'm an AWA guy. That's how far back I go. But it's pretty cool to see uh, Jericho and Omega coming back to Winnipeg. I think it's just AEW's second Canadian show. And Jericho is being honored in a number of ways today. He's got a meeting at this with the mayor at City Hall. We're waiting to see what... Honor will be bestowed upon him. He's got a meeting with the province as well. So there'll be different accolades for Jericho. And of course, this has us talking about homecomings, as you mentioned, Greg, for a chance to win a pair of tickets to the Jets or the Doobie Brothers. And what's a homecoming that stands out for you? Well, Darlene with a quite poignant text says, I was in Vegas during the shooting several years ago. I wasn't at the concert that night, but I was really shook up by the whole thing. Got home, went to get my dogs at my parents. I got there and sat on the floor with them jumping all over me. I was never so glad to be home and hug them. Darlene, thank you for that. Yes, I can imagine when you see tragedy, all you want is to hold your loved ones close. Yeah, and I, I can tell you that that was uh, to, remains to this day, Loren, uh, the diffi- most difficult show I think that Brett and I have ever done was coming in the morning after to that news. And, and we knew that there were several, very early, we knew there were several Manitobans at that concert, the, the, at least one that I can remember that, that was a, you know, a shooting victim and, uh, you know, 58 people killed in Las Vegas. It's, uh, it's etched in, in a lot of memories. So keep those uh, memories coming. Some of them are going to be poignant. Some of them are going to be powerful, emotional. Some of them happy. Either way, we want to hear from you. 204-780-6868. And, of course, we also want to hear what you're seeing out on the highways. The perimeter officially closed, as is Highway 1 West, between Headingley and Eli. And as far as we can tell, Highway 1 East from the perimeter. And one of our listeners saying, Greg, it's not Haddishville. It's Haddishville. So to Haddishville. Uh, I don't it, hear the difference, but that's just me. <laughs> I, I just, just do what I'm told, Loren. Uh, it is official. After weeks of speculation, we got the news about one of the biggest annual events in our country making its return to Winnipeg. Yeah, so of course we saw CFL Commissioner Randy Ambrosi alongside Premier Heather Stephenson and the Mayor Scott Gillingham and of course Wade Miller with the Winnipeg Football Club confirming that the 2025 Grey Cup Game and Festival is making a comeback and they made this announcement with the help of a very familiar voice. The Centre of Canada. A historic meeting place where the rivers connect at the forks near Portage and Maine. A gathering place for friends and family to witness the best in art, culture, history, and sport. And a community that thrives on being the underdog. Socials, bonspiels, we celebrate with our neighbors and call them friends. From Gimli to Minidosa, the Whiteshell to Churchill, here our province bleeds blue and gold. Derek Taylor, the voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, an exciting announcement. The Winnipeg Football Club 
making it official. Now, I'm confused. Are we supposed to be calling it Grey Cup 112 or the 2025 Grey Cup? Because there seems to be some mixed messaging with the with the marketing so far. That's it is Grey Cup 112, and it will be in 2025. And I hate the I can't do the 112 part because I just want to know the year, right? So when I'm looking up the Oscars, I go the 2023 Oscars, and did you mean the 95th Oscars? <laughs> You're killing me. Just tell me that everything, everywhere, all at once won a bunch of Oscars. So uh, I'll just think of it as 2025, but it will be 112 here in Winnipeg. It's pretty uncommon. You would think in a nine-team or at times an eight-team league, more teams would have won the Grey Cup at home. It's incredibly difficult to do. Toronto, BC won at home, Saskatchewan won at home, and now Winnipeg will end. We joked on the radio that uh, they should get the Grey Cup at 25 because at the time we were saying Kalaros could retire having won six consecutive Grey Cups. So Zach Kalaros now could be 37 years old playing his final game in Winnipeg, retiring with a fifth Grey Cup in six years, marking one of the greatest dynasties in Canadian Football League history. Come on, this is this is perfect. But it's, I, I, I half joke, I would love to see it and I would love to call it when it happens, but... 2025 Grey Cup, Kolaris will be in the final year of his contract at the age of 37. Nick Dembski will be in the final year of his contract, early 30s, so he's got time. But Willie Jefferson, uh, Jackson Jeffcoat, guys like that will be 34, I believe it is. Like, It, it could be uh, the ultimate end to one of the great eras of Canadian football, I say with fingers and toes crossed, because who knows what the next three years brings. But it could be the perfect story you and I are talking about three and a half years from now. Yeah, the prospect of the team having at least as we speak, Loren, the, the, the a legitimate strategy towards li- winning the big game at home is is spine tingling for me. Derek and I spoke about uh, the 2013 Grey Cup, Saskatchewan winning at home, and the Blue Bombers seem to be very focused on this being a genuine pro- prospect and possibility. I spoke to Nick Dembski, and he said that was one of the reasons why he signed a three-year deal, not only Calaris now he says yeah that could be my last year so lots of reasons to be excited about this I, I got to speak to lots of folks yesterday and we'll we'll try and sprinkle in some more of those conversations throughout the morning but we start this half hour with a whole whack of promises which have been made by the provincial conservatives in the lead up to the October election Loren with that vow that more money will be spent on everything from hospitals to roads we've also seen a whole whack of bills introduced into the legislature over the past week. So we've talked about the fact that they're trying to uh, introduce a law that could lead to alcohol sales in grocery and convenience stores. There's been that law we've talked about on ticket resales, a possible law that could lead the way to some sort of safe consumption site system in Manitoba for illicit drugs. And overall, this isn't unusual. This is what governments do, whether you're NDP or conservative in the spring, you introduce a wide variety of bills that you hope to see into law by summertime. Now, that doesn't always happen in any year, and in an election year, the stakes might be higher. Steve Lambert is with the Canadian Press and is regularly down on Broadway speaking to the folks that decide how to spend all of our dollars. We say good morning. How's it going, Steve? Good morning, Lauren. Well, you've been busy, a flurry of activity to keep up with, I know. And before we get into how this all works or might not work for the Conservatives, I do want to ask about the safe consumption sites. You wrote about this over the past 24 hours because the Tories have been against this for years now, one of the laws that could be passed could open the door to a form of consumption sites. Is this being viewed as an about face or just a toning down of their hard stance? 
It's uh, it's being it, it's coming across more as a uh, almost a surrender. Um, the, the minister responsible, Janice Morley Lacombe, says the federal government is granting exemptions now so that safe consumption sites can be set up. Uh, we can't stop the federal government from doing this. So the government is proposing a licensing system that would require anybody who gets a federal exemption to uh, administer substances and run a safe consumption site. Uh, they would have to apply for a license, meet certain standards of care, criteria, medical supervision uh, criteria, uh, things like that, and then uh, get a license, get inspected, and face uh, fines if they, uh, if they don't follow the conditions of their license. So, um, you know, supporters, some supporters of safe consumption sites say that the province is putting up barriers here. Uh, the province argues, well, look, if we're going to have safe consumption sites, we have to we have to set down some rules and make sure that people that go to these sites are under medical supervision, are being cared for, and are being geared toward treatment, that it's not just sort of the, the Wild West and unregulated. So this is just one part, uh, one bill of many, uh, Steve, that have been, uh, have been tabled. The Tories have this majority, of course, in the legislature, but does that guarantee all these laws, and, or pardon me, these proposed laws will, will pass before the election? No, there's a there's a real interesting process in the legislature, and there's a series of rules that have been uh, finessed over the years due to wrangling. And it, you basically have competing rights here: the the right of a government duly elected in Manitoba to pass bills in the legislature and bring them to a vote, uh, where if you have a majority government, they're bound to pass, and and that conflicts with the right of the opposition to have time to study bills, to consult people. Uh, to vote against them. So th- these rules have developed over years, and, and where they lie now is that the government has a certain deadline, X number of sitting days after the fall throne speech, to introduce bills that would normally be passed before the summer break in June. And we've got about 30-odd bills right now before the House. A lot of them have just been introduced the last couple of days. The deadline for that was yesterday. So those bills should come to a vote, but as a compromise, um, the House rules allow the opposition to select five bills that can be held back beyond uh, the summer break. And normally that just means you come back in the fall, there's some more weeks of debate, and the government inevitably gets its way and passes the bills. Uh, However, this is an election year. Uh, The legislature is unlikely to return after June 1st before before the election that's scheduled for October 3rd. So we'll have to see what bills the NDP chooses to hold up. They, they don't have to make that decision for a couple of more weeks now. So they're going to look at the 30-odd bills that are now before the House, um, pick the five that, uh, that they can choose to hold up, decide which ones they want to hold up, and then uh, that might become fodder on the election trail. This includes the possibility, Steve, does it not, that they could delay the budget itself? They could they could delay the budget implementation bill, which is the the bill that enacts uh, income tax cuts, for example, that were uh, announced in the budget. There, there are other measures too. The budget implementation bill is a, a, a huge bill. It's an omnibus bill that enacts pretty much every tax change that uh, is ena- is enacted in the budget and other financial measures. So uh, yes, theoretically they could hold it up. Um, I don't know if they will. Uh, it would be unusual that the, the Tories might then 
campaign on the fact that the NDP uh, paint the NDP as opposed to uh, tax cuts. And does that become an election issue? So I, I don't know if the NDP will hold that bill up. Uh, there's some strategic decisions to be made. And then there's always the possibility that even if the bills are held up, um, it's like 3D chess at the legislature. The, the government always has the authority to recall the legislature, maybe sit in the summer and pass bills. Uh, so it, it's this uh, game of uh, cat and mouse a bit with uh, legislature rules um, aimed at ensuring there's some democratic debate on bills before they're uh, passed into law. I can only imagine that the MLAs are not the only ones with fingers crossed that they don't have to sit in the summer. I know how much you love your outdoor time in the Manitoba summer, Steve. So I imagine your your fingers, legs, arms, and all things crossable are crossed on that front as well. We'll catch up to you uh, sooner than later, my friend. Thank you for this insight. We appreciate you always. Well, thank you. Steve Lambert, Canadian Press, and of course, uh, Greg, as we talk about all these bills and laws and the election, we need to point out that a new poll's out this morning showing that Premier Heather Stephenson's polls are at the bottom of the barrel again. She's tied with the last 25% approval rating with New Brunswick Premier Blaine Higg. But is that up? But is that up? Up by a percent. I think it was 24% about a year ago. Now it's up to 25%. So, you know, would you say the tides are turning? I'm not sure. But with those kind of approval numbers, you know, promises are being made. I'd like to think in good faith because we need to see these different things come into action, like addiction, addiction treatments, beds, and other. But there's also politics, as Steve said, to be played here. And there's about just six months and change to go to that October election. So that was an explainer I needed because I've been wondering for days now. uh, Does any of this actually come to fruition with all these promises being made? We'll wait and see. Let's start this hour with animals. We know a ton of Manitobans became first-time dog owners during the pandemic Post-pandemic, we also know animal shelters and rescues across the country are, um, well, they're fuller than they'd like to be. Yeah, so which is why every month we're happy to help those animals find a home. Leland Gordon of Animal Services is in studio now and with them a special friend. Good morning, Leland. Good morning. So the dog's name is Mary, German Shepherd Mix, and I'm looking at photos. Super cute. Before we tell our listeners more about her, why are we continuing to see so many pets in shelters? I know we had that theory and some concern that people were bringing pets back after getting into the animal game during the pandemic. What's going on? So what's happening is that's correct. We're seeing a handful of people who got pets during the pandemic who no longer want them, who are trying to get rid of them and surrender them to animal shelters or rescues. We're also seeing a lot of people who um, you know, have gotten pets who've who've been struggling for some time financially, um, even before the pandemic. And those people, um, we're empathetic, of course, with those types of people, but they've gone out and gotten dogs and they can't meet the basic requirements of those dogs. Um, And those dogs are ending up also trying to be surrendered or as strays running the streets with no licenses. But then again, the number one solution to all this, which our friend Bob Barker from many years ago said for a bazillion years on The Price is Right, is spay and neuter your pets. Goodbye, everybody, right? And unfortunately, almost every single dog that comes into animal services is not spayed and neutered, it's not licensed, um, and it's not vaccinated with everything. So we're just seeing more of these dogs coming in. So where are these dogs coming from? How are people acquiring these dogs? Because I, I just got a cat uh, in our house, and it was through a shelter, 
And the screening pro- pro- process was incredibly rigorous. We had to give two references. They reached out to those references. Uh, so, so tell me, how are people getting their, their hands on these animals otherwise? Well, if every, almost every single dog that's adopted from an animal shelter or a rescue comes with spaying and neutering. So when somebody adopts from animal services or any of these shelters, they're all spayed and neutered. So those are not coming, for the most part, from animal shelters or rescues. They're coming from backyard breeders, people who had accidental litters. Um, There's a handful of northern dogs. In in the olden days, we used to like taking northern dogs to help those northern communities. We used to take about 100 a year. Now, because we're so full all the time, we're probably taking 10 a year if we're lucky to help because there's so many uh, dogs being one surrendered. We also have the Humane Society, which does great work. They've got a three-month waiting list now for people who want to get rid of their pets. So the solution to all this is very simple. If you have a pet, dog or cat, for the love of God, please get it spayed or neutered. You can talk to your local vet about that. If you're a low-income resident, the city of Winnipeg has programming to help low-income residents in Winnipeg get their dogs and cats fixed. That information is on the city of Winnipeg website in the animal services section. And make sure your pet has no effect on the community. Make sure your dog's not running the lar- at large all the time. Make sure your dog's not attacking people. Um, make sure you ask yourself the hard questions before you get a pet. And those hard questions are, can I take care of myself financially and the added expenses of a dog and cat, including good food, veterinary care, training? Can I do those things? Do I have a home? Do I have a stable home where I live um, where I can give a dog or cat a, a long-term home? And if people can't answer those questions yes or clearly, wait until you get a pet. Something oh. as simple as a, as a fenced yard has to be a part of this equation, does it not, Leland? It, it does. It's very helpful with a dog to have a fenced yard. However, people can successfully own dogs in apartments or condos. However, a little more work because you have to take your dog for more uh, walks. But I'd like to segue into this amazing dog we have yes, here. Yes, please. I want to hear about Mary. Mary has been with us since November of 2022. How is that possible? Well, she's a, a black because she's not perfect. And the dogs that are perfect, all dogs are perfect, Leland. Well, guess what? Some aren't. They usually take longer to get adopted. So she's close to perfect. So for your listeners, I'm looking at a black lab, a black German shepherd mix. So she's all black with longer hair. She's about 45 pounds, a year and a half old, beautiful, pearly white teeth. She loves kids. She loves people. She's house trained. She's perfect on a leash. She knows sit, paw, and down. What's Why is she not perfect? Because she doesn't like other dogs. And some people just don't want to deal with that, right? So if somebody's listening, has a nice home where they don't have any other dogs, she probably doesn't like cats either, right? And they want to adopt a dog that's going to snuggle them on the couch, right. give them that love after a hard day at work when they come home, go to Winnipeg Animal Services on Facebook and Instagram and look at the pictures of Mary and then get in your car and come down to Animal Services at 1057 Logan today and for the love of God, adopt Mary. Oh, Mary needs a home. She's been looking for one for 18 months. Do I have the math right on that? No, November 2022. Oh, just, okay. We are in 2023. There you go. So six months, Greg. And this is why I don't do math. Leland Gordon, Animal Services. Thank you for the work that you do. Thanks for joining us on a regular basis. And uh, hopefully it makes a difference. And one more time, what's that Bob Barker message? Have your pets spayed and neutered. Goodbye, everybody. It's 813. We'll take a pause. Too bad I can't spin the wheel right now, Greg, because that would be my next step. Uh, Leland doesn't have a pocket full of cash to give away, so spinning the wheel and getting that $1 wouldn't uh, pay any dividends anyway, Loren. Thanks, Leland. Thank you for having me. Bye, Mary.
Last night, the Winnipeg Jets were looking for their third straight road victory in Carolina versus the Hurricanes. They ended up on the wrong side of a 5-3 score. Head coach Rick Bonus had this thought. Overall, listen, that, that's the best game we've played on the road trip. It really is. Uh, we held a high vo- shot volume team to, what, 24, 25 shots on net. They didn't have 10 scoring chances tonight, so the team game was really, really good. Um, so we're really happy with that. Uh, did a couple of guys have a tough night? Yeah, well, that's going to happen. So, But you do. You move on and get ready for Boston Thursday night. I think there are many Jets fans, if you had said a week ago that the Jets were going to collect four of six points on the road trip, they would have probably been happy with that result. But when you get the first two wins, maybe the expectations change. And so I want to bring on now ESPN analyst and commentator Leah Hextall. And Leah, I guess one of the questions some might have with that run, with the luck we had, with the good play we had over the weekend, why not play Connor Hellebuck last night? Well, you know, I was one of those people around who was thinking the same thing. I thought, you know, first, let's make it really clear. I love the mentality of playing Hellebuck in back-to-back games on the weekend against Florida and Tampa. I understand that the analytics community would be up in rage saying that is not what you do. The second game, the goaltender is not going to play as well. And the team is not going to win. Yada, yada. I get it. I understand it. But there's also hockey sense. And when the Winnipeg Jets are fighting for the final wildcard spot, yes, the final playoff spot in the Western Conference, you go with your boy. You go with your world-class goaltender. And he came in and did exactly what Rick Bonas thought he would do. And he stole those games. We're talking about... 77 saves between the two. So here I am thinking, okay, if he can play back-to-back games, then he's got a day off, and then they're going to go into Carolina and play the second-best team in the National League. There's no way that Hellebuck's not going to be back in net, and no offense to David Riddick. He came in and he did his job, but I was quite shocked that Hellebuck wasn't in there. But then I started thinking to myself a little bit as I was looking down at the strength of schedule, and here's the thing. Florida and Tampa – you know that, listen, you go into every game thinking you have a chance to win, of course. But Florida and Tampa, when you look at those three games, you think, okay, out of the three games, what are the ones that we have a stronger chance of winning? And that's Florida and Tampa. Carolina is probably the only team right now in the Eastern Conference that could give Boston, who's having you know, a world-class season, a historic season, a go for their money. So I think last night that was bonus just saying, listen, I've got to watch what I'm doing here and I have to watch the play. And yes, we can go in and beat Carolina, but it's going to be tough even if Hellebuck is in the net. So I think they took the audible, they put Riddick in, and that wasn't a game they were expecting to collect the two points on. They thought, listen, if we get it, that's great. But we need to rest him because we've got Boston coming in. That's going to be a massive game. And then... We've got two games coming up against Nashville, which suddenly, Lorenz, this is just a massive, massive two games for the Winnipeg Jets. We're talking about a Nashville team that was sellers at the deadline, wholesale sellers. They got rid of so many talented players, and now they're only a few points back of the Jets, four to be exact, with three games in hand. So those two games coming up for the Winnipeg Jets against the Preds, it could be telling to their season. Yeah, it could be a little mini two-game playoff series, quite frankly. Absolutely. So we'll look forward to those games. Uh, but with the same mentality then, and we're kind of going off the rails here on this goaltender thing, but with the same mentality then, like some people might hear the terminology planned loss. So if if, if, if we're going to call last night a planned loss by the Jets, what business do they have starting Connor Hellebuck against the Bruins tomorrow night? Might they just start David Riddick tomorrow night against Boston and then get him ready for more quote-unquote winnable games, Hextall? 
Yeah, I mean, it's not a bad point there, but the fact is, is that they're at home. I think that's the difference, Greg, honestly. I think, you know, you come back to Winnipeg, you're taking on the best team within the National League, and they're going to put Hellebuck in that net. I mean, I, I really look at it, and I would have played Hellebuck against Carolina. You're talking about a team that had been shut out in back-to-back games. Rod Brindamore said that that was one of the worst games they played last night. And you have to think, could Hellebuck gone in and possibly stole that game the way he has so many times this season? I mean, he is the difference maker. And Bonus just said that was the best team game they had in the three games. So it really gets into this gut feeling that the coaching staff is going to have to have when they're looking down. And you're right. I mean, the Bruins is not a game when you look at the strength of schedule down the stretch here that you're going to say, oh, yeah, we're going to get those two points. No, that's where you look at the San Jose's of the world. You look at the Anaheim's of the world, the teams that are really struggling. Those are your guaranteed two games, two points, pardon me. But the Bruins, yeah, you're right. It's, it's just I think it's because it's at home. I think it's because they felt they should rest him. But I really – I didn't like it. Like, I'm just going to be honest. I thought Hellebuck should have been in the net last night. This is, this is no joke. Um, you know, I know people are looking at it saying, yeah, hey, we're going to get in. There is no guarantee the Winnipeg Jets are a playoff team. There really isn't. But, you know, Nashville has no business being what they are right now. I mean, they got rid of Matthias Ekholm. They got rid of Michael Granlin. They got rid of Tanner Janot. You know, that Ryan Johansson is hurt, but they have a world-class goalie. And you see Soros. They still have Yossi on the back end. They still have Matt Duchesne up front. They still have a lot of pivotal pieces and Tommy Novak playing really well and a team that has no pressure on them. So I would have loved to have seen Halibut back in that net. I think that they might have had a better shot. Um, but, you know, I'm not the coach of the Winnipeg Jets, but you make a really good point. But down the stretch here, um, you know, they need to ride him. They need to ride him. And the fact is, is that we all know that Connor Halibut loves to play. And that's mm-hmm. the good news for the Jets. Yeah, and and I agree with you. I thought they should have played him last night. Another one of the players that the Nashville Predators uh, let go before the trading deadline was uh, Nino Niederreiter, who's looking really good in a Winnipeg Jets uniform, as is Vladislav Nemestikov. Nemestikov's been filling in for an injured Pierre-Luc Dubois. I think he looks pretty good, hasn't looked out of place. What do you think of the new kids in town? I think they're great. And, you know, you know, shame on me for not naming Nino Niederreiter. I mean, the guy's on a seven-game point streak right now, and he's got seven in seven. He's been great since he's come along. And, I, you know, you saw him get bumped up last night to the top line, and, and it's been very interesting to see what he's been able to accomplish since getting here. Listen, Nino Niederreiter, that was a great pickup at the deadline. When I saw it, I thought, that's a great player for them. He's going to come in and be able to provide that secondary scoring and nothing to take away from Ladislav Nemesnikov, who Rick Bonus knows very well if he had him back in San Jose in his time, but, or pardon me, Tampa Bay. But it's just, I, I'm wondering, you know, yes, these two players have come in. And like you said, Greg, they're looking really good. They're looking like those depth pickups that Chevaldeoff wanted them to be. But we've seen a little bit of, you know, no Pierre-Luc Dubois. We've seen Kyle Connor. You know, yes, he had three assists against Florida, but he's dried up over the last 11 games, and they need their top scorer to be producing. So, um, you know, it's a, it's a little bit of um, – they got a little bit better, obviously, but now they've got some guys that are pulling back a bit. So let's see now. It hasn't been that many games since these two players were inserted into the lineup. Let's see if the chemistry can collect and these Jets can really start clicking down the stretch here. Yeah, we were talking about secondary scoring for weeks there, and uh, now it's sort of the primary scoring that, that that's dried up. Leah, we're out of time. Lots of things on the list to, to talk to you about. I guess we'll have to save some of them <laughs> for next time? time. Yeah, we're out of time. Is can you imagine that? actual news besides this going on, really? Like, isn't it just sports? Isn't that all we do in life? <laughs> Loren, you, you can't argue with that. 
Well, I think when the news is bad, you like to turn to sports. And so there when you're you having go. a rough morning with your roads or your weather, you're like, what can I pass the time with? Why not the Jets? I was surprised. This morning I said to Greg, aren't you in a bad mood this morning? He's like, no, they played well last night. And I was like, but they lost. So I'm wholly confused about everything right now, to be honest. We'll have a debrief. We'll have a debrief later and a group uh, uh, therapy (laughs) session in the coming days. Leah, thanks again. We'll catch up with you soon. Keep up the great work. Thank you, Greg Lorenz. The Start on 680 CJOB. It's Mackling and McNabb. I'll throw in another M there. Jeff Forche, when you hear this song, I have a question. Do, do you ever replace Manitoba for Alabama when you're hearing or singing along to this song? I, I, I think of Con Air, actually, when the song's playing in Con Air. Oh, my goodness. Okay, well, yeah, I took that off the rails. That's okay. Loren, that's your favorite movie, isn't it? Con Air? Something about a bunny or something? No, put down the bunny. No, it's like if I want to laugh, I like put to have it on the bunny back in the box. I said, put down the bunny. And then there's just a big fight over that stuffed animal. Terrible movie. Terrible Nicolas Cage. Terrible hair. Terrible lines. Terrible dancing with the song. Just all around terrible movie. Yeah, some good scenes. Like, uh, act, yeah, I suppose, like some of the action. Yeah, 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 yeah. But again, right. I'll watch the whole thing start to finish with commercials. Like, there's just some movies like that that you get into. The worst part is when that uh, beautiful Corvette convertible mm-hmm. falls to the ground. That's the that's the worst part of the movie. Uh, we've been asking you this morning. Uh, nothing to do with Con Air. Nothing to do with Leonard Skinner. It has to do with Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega coming home. It's a homecoming tonight. ADEW at Canada Life Center. Brett McGarry will be there. He'll give us a full rundown tomorrow morning. But we wanted to celebrate reunions, homecomings, uh, in honor of those two uh, wrestling legends who have really helped uh, keep Winnipeg on the map. And they're, they're two of the top wrestlers on the planet and uh, they are very proud to be from Winnipeg. And so you're sharing your stories with us. We have two stories we're going to share with you right now. Loren, I can read the first one. You can read our winner. But we're making a, a little bit of a change in, in how we do the prizing. Just pay attention, both the names we say, because you both could come out ahead here. So just listen, listen well. Amanda says, good morning, my friends at CJOB. Long time, no morning opinions by yours truly, but I feel like I am back to a somewhat normal life again. And what better story to give today for the morning CJOB text than a reunion? It is very true that they say some of the only times your family reunites is either at a wedding or at a funeral. It's very true. And sadly, our family experienced a reunion in February after our beloved matriarch passed away peacefully the age of 90. This was the first time in nearly two decades that our entire family from coast to coast of this beloved country of ours was together again. Although I felt saddened around the circumstances which brought us together, not even a wedding had had, uh, done so in the past. There was, however, the sense of love and gratitude that took over the days that were spent together. We were all able to share some incredible memories that left many of us laughing hysterically. And it'll be those memories that will hopefully last a lifetime. Amanda, thank you. 
Thank you for sharing that. I'm sorry for your loss. I'm happy you're able to find some peace in that moment of being together and just carry on. You're the runner up. You're the runner up, but stay tuned. Randall, you are our winner this morning. You said, good morning, 680 CJOB. My homecoming started off stressful, but ended heartwarming. Many years ago, I worked in construction on Baffin Island. The normal turnaround was six weeks. This one time, I had to do 12 weeks, working every day, 12-hour shifts. It was extremely taxing on my mental and physical capabilities. And of course, he's away from family. So my travel day started with my flight getting in late. Now, all my connectors would be a challenge. First stop, Iqaluit. Fantastic. No delays. Second stop, Northern Quebec. One hour delay. My heart was sinking. Finally on to Montreal with 30 minutes to get to the plane. Picture this, a 30-something-year-old man just off a three-hour flight, moving sidewalk with a cramped leg. At the end of the sidewalk was a brick wall. Not understanding physics and momentum very well, the brick wall came up very fast. He hit it. Good thing I was fluffy at the time, so no harm done. Made it to my gate, but we were late leaving. So once again, this delayed my arrival to Toronto. To my amazement, Air Canada had a cart waiting to take me to the next gate. I only had a few minutes. Finally, arrived in Winnipeg without my luggage, but I didn't care. I was home. My wife was there to meet me, and it was like we were teenagers again. I could go into how the rest of the night went, (laughs) but after 12 weeks away, I think you get the picture. Wink, wink. Okay, so Randall, Doobie Brothers or Winnipeg Jets tickets? You let us know, and then... Amanda, you get the other prize. So you're both winners today. Randall says you'll take the Jets tickets. So Amanda, we have tickets to see the Doobie Brothers in October. Congratulations to you both and thanks to everyone who shared their reunion and homecoming stories with us.